This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now, if you are a parent who has more than one child, at one stage or another, you may have wanted to tear your own hair out because of the fights between your kids. You may find yourself playing the mediator, trying to de-escalate what could become World War III. Should you be trying to get into the middle of it all, or should you just take a step back and let things take their course? And Nisa Sharif, founder of Tanshia, and I think one of nine kids, is that right? Yes, one of nine kids. She has, she has a lot of experience in this area. She is back to talk sibling rivalry next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Oh, I tell you what, those moments between brothers and sisters where really you just think World War Three is about to break out. It is the bane of many parents' existence. What to do when your kids fight sibling rivalry it's got to be one of the biggest topics um anisa sharif a conscious parenting expert and founding of tenshia and one of nine kids yeah somebody who has a lot of experience in the topic as, Welcome. A, as a kid as a child i have lots of experience fighting and doing all these nasty stuff yeah. at the moment you have one girl bless her heart yes. little jenna i, I can't do more yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I've wonder, done my fighting and everything. That's what I mean. Like, did that experience kind of, you know, traumatize you against having any more? Kind and, of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But I tell you, I mean, you know, I've got two girls and um, it's very interesting to see because they fight mainly for the reason, I think, that they're very different personalities, completely different, like night and day. Um, you know, to the point where when the second one was born, I was asked if I had a, a child before because it was a whole different experience. Um, but kids can fight for many different reasons. There could be a new child that has entered um, the family um, that's been born. It could be, you know, for many, many different reasons that, that kids, you know, could have that sibling rivalry. So, you know, with the workshops that, that you do, well, what do parents say, you know, because this is a topic that you cover. What do parents say when it comes to sibling rivalry? Yeah, this is one of the uh, most asked questions. Everybody wants to know how to solve the problem and how not to take sides and how to, uh, you know, um, mediate in and, a, in a, in a, you know, um, being just to both of them and, and all of these questions that we get. But what I've learned through my uh, certification process and, and working with uh, other also experienced instructors and uh, parents that it's not the problem because we focus a lot on solving the problem, the cake. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, this is the thing. There's competition. There's bound to be competition when you have, uh, you know, a situation where there's limited resources. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, silly things like the love of a parent, mm -hmm. how two kids can fight over 
how much one is loved versus the other. Do you know? Like things like that. It's just, it's kind of, it's ridiculous. It's at a ridiculous level. It's, hmm, it's not that ridiculous, (laughs) I would have to say. It's normal and you've pinpointed the issue Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that we kind of forget about that these behaviors and these competitions come from a very natural, um, healthy need for connection, right? So the the first, first thing that we need to remember all the time before we even go into this topic further, that our kids are good, right? They're good. And we talked about this some weeks ago. Yes. Uh, all the experiments that the scientists now are doing. And they come with good intentions to this world. They come with inherent goodness. Yes. So that should be the starting point this for us. This is the starting yeah. point every single time we try to figure something out. Right. And they are, um, we are, human beings are social beings. So we want to connect and we want people to love us. And we want to have good relationships, especially with the people that we love the most. People from our immediate families, our parents, our uh, siblings. So when we come from this perspective and think, okay, so what's going on here? All right. It's what's going on is that they have something stopping them from showing their goodness, from connecting to each other. And you said something really important. They are very different. Everybody has different personalities. And this is part of the challenge that they will face in the world. How do I connect with someone who has different needs than me and who wants different things than me? So this is a starting point, okay? If we are uh, able to connect with each of the kids individually and fill their cups with love they would be less pickering Mm. they would be less fighting because they will have their cups full and they have this connection which enables their thinking brain to regulate their emotions so they're not gonna fight as much as much that is so interesting so it's kind of we have to be the starting point where we show that connection. We show that love to each individual t- mm-hmm. child separately. Yeah. Where, you know, you do have to have those situations where everybody's in it together. But, um, you, you know, I think it's really important. Five I, minutes a day. I even if it's five minutes. Five minutes. Because I hear this from parents who have, you know, four or five mm-hmm. kids. And it's interesting because some of them actually say, um, you know, I will take my kids out of school maybe once a year. Or, you know, once a term or something like that, where they spend a day Mm -hmm. with that child Mm -hmm. and it's not interrupted by all of the other siblings. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's a brilliant idea. Mm. And I have parents who figured out different strategies, like waking one of the kids earlier, just five minutes and having the special time with them or putting the other one five minutes later at night to bed and spending this five minutes if they come from school in different timings, so I, I use this time, whatever, like I can't plan it in my day. 
but I need to have it consciously there. I need some time individually because when we have two, three, sometimes four, we use, we deal with them as a group. Right. So we take <laughs> them all together, bring them all together, do all these things. And this is nice. But each one of them needs that connection with a parent independently and individually without the others being around. This is amazing. Uh, we are talking sibling rivalry with Anissa Sharif. Uh, we're going to be talking more about those strategies that you can put in place. It's not about trying to get in the middle of it all when it all goes to pieces, because that's a bit too late. It's We're going back and finding that connection to begin with. Really interesting discussion. We would love to hear from you as well. 4215 on the text lines, and you can also get in touch at Pulse95 Radio on Instagram. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. What is it like having a big sister? Human living torture in big capital letters. Why? Because they boss you around and they make you turn on the AC and close the door and, and do all these little things that they could do, but they make us do it. It's horrible. Do you fight with your sister? We fight over everything. There's a slice of cake. We can't decide who gets the bigger half. Because it's in a triangle, you know? Like, how do you do that? You know? It's just hard. It's just hard. It's just hard. Okay, so what is it like having a younger sister? I don't really care about my sister unless she's in my room or in my face. What happens if she's in your face? Then I scream at her, like, what else am I going to (laughs) do? So you obviously fight with your sister. Yeah. No, duh. (laughs) What do you fight with her about? Everything. She takes my food, she takes my clothes, she takes my makeup without permission or asking. Whoa. Feel free to interrupt. You do that to mom. Okay, that's what you do. I don't touch your makeup. I'm not giving permission for this to go on air. Yes, oh, <laughs> those two those two belong to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is what I have going on in my house every day. <laughs> yeah, how does it feel now oh. to listen to this without being in the situation? Oh, I love um, kind of, I loved asking them both this question and kind of getting their different perspectives uh, about the other. I, I just love that Zainab said, we can't work out who gets the bigger half as if you have to have one bigger half. And Anyway. But it's, it's, you know, what you said about, <laughs> about having to give them each their space. Uh, I think that's just really vital because they do come to me separately and mm-hmm. they want that time. This is the thing. This is what kids crave the most. They True. crave our attention, right? And so Connection. When, yes, and connection. That's what it is rather than attention. Yeah. Um, and so you're right now that I'm thinking back. You know, this is... When they don't get that, they go and take it out on each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's another thing. So there's the connection piece, which is vital. There's the other piece, which is self-regulation. Mm. How do I deal with the difficult emotions? And how do I navigate and how do I process them in a positive way? Okay. So it's never about the cake. It's never about my room, my makeup, or whatever it is. Patty Wepfler, the founder of um, Hand in Hand, has a very 
interesting and lovely story that she tells. So she she talks about, uh, but these are like younger uh, children. Uh, a boy who's been taught, like every other kid, that they need to be nice to their little sister. Mm-hmm. And the mother uses reward and punishment. Rewards. So he gets the sticker every time that he's nice to her and all of that. And then one day or in a week, uh, the father is busy. He doesn't come uh, at bedtime. So the child is missing his dad, right? Or he's traveling or whatever. And then one day he wakes up in the morning and he sees his little sister just playing in the kitchen and he goes and hit her. All right. So for a mom, if she doesn't understand what's going on, she will just think, oh, my God, he's a horrible boy. He just hits his sister. Right. He has to be punished. Exactly. Mm. So he is what's going on in his inner world. He's so um, sad. And he misses his dad. And he wakes up. He can't remember anything about the stickers now because his limbic system, his nervous system is taking over. And there is this overwhelming feeling of sadness that he needs to let out. And the first thing that comes to his mind is just hitting his little sister. What we need to do, if we understand this, what's going on with the kids, to help them process these emotions in a healthy way. So if you punish that child, you're adding to the hurt. You're making it even more difficult, right? So going back to the cake and makeup and room and all of that, if you just hold the space, as we said previously, without trying to fix it for them, just listen to the emotions. Yeah, it's horrible, right? When somebody comes and uses your makeup or it's hard to decide of course it's hard to decide who gets the bigger case piece of cake and let all of these emotions in with empathy with understanding when they let this out they process it they will with your help and support and modeling how we deal with each other every day which probably all of us are doing they will get it with time right and the There is another tool that we use here, which is um, play listening. So we encourage a lot playing um, competitive games like pillow fighting, not competitive. They're like a little bit of um, roughhousing, Mm -hmm. (coughs) catch, uh, pillow fights. But But we don't recommend that um, you let the children uh, go against each other. They're always in one team and they're going against you. So Ooh. if we're fighting, uh, if we're uh, fighting with pillows, mm-hmm. they're one team and they're fighting against you. Ooh, if okay. we're playing catch, they're one team and they're trying to catch you or you're trying to catch them. And so what difference does that make when you do that? If there is any emotions between siblings and you try to make them um, fight against each other or compete in a game even, this will... Um, ignite these emotions even more but you want them to let out these emotions not on each other on you you will be the one who's receiving these emotions in a playful way in a playful way let them process these uh whatever sitting on their nervous system it's like a a whole different way of holding the space for them but it's just fun and and it's not like a 
a counseling session. No, no. And play is amazing. There's a, a brilliant book called Playful Parenting. Uh, I can't remember the first name, Cohen, something Cohen. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing. It has lots and lots of ideas on how you can work with parenting challenges using playful ways. I love that. I love that. We've got to get more playful ourselves as parents. Yes. Let go a yeah. lot. It, it's we, very good for us as well. We, we, we talk about this often, you know, on this show, how we need to let go, mm -hmm. let our children be um, and, you know, find that space in play. We're talking to Anissa Sharif all about sibling rivalry. It's such a great discussion. Join it next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. We are talking sibling rivalry. How do you deal with it as a parent? You know, and I said one of my favorite things, um, well, not so favorite things that parents do say often, I've learned to kind of completely avoid it, um, is when parents say, well, your sister can do it that way. Why can't you do that too? Oh, that's the worst <laughs> thing that you can do. I mean, if you're angry at someone, you don't want to give them even more reason to be angry, you know? It's just the worst thing to say oh, to yeah. a sibling, right? Especially when they're fighting and, and they just can't get along. They're um, different personalities and everybody has good sides and and they and them and we need to cherish this exactly not put them in comparison look mm. for the good in what is in both of them because they are going to be very different you know sally i i just remembered something when we start our um study groups and, and workshops i usually ask the parents the first first day to think of one good thing about each of their children and share it with us and you'll be surprised. Some parents can't even think <gasps> of one good thing. Are you serious? Yep. That just completely freaked me out. I yeah, can't believe that. It happens and it freaks them out because, and sometimes they start with, they I are going to tell me, da, 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 but, and I'm like, no, but. Just I thought you were going to tell me that parents wouldn't be able to shut up about all <gasps> of the good things that their kids can mm -mm. do. I mean, not everybody, but there are some parents who can't think of wow. a good thing and they will just become so emotional about it. And I have a parent just last, last study group who came after a week, because we do weekly uh, sessions, and she said, the best thing that you've done to me is ask me that question. Because during last week, I spent the whole week just looking at my kids and noticing the good things about them. And it made a huge difference. She was shocked that she couldn't think of a single good thing in her kids. That just, that really astounds me that, because, you know, it really is the thing when, when you decide to, whatever you decide to look for, that's what you're going to find. Yeah. If you look for the good yeah. in any situation, that's what you'll find. But then it's not about blaming the parents, okay? Because everybody of us, every one of us has their own experience, which led them to that position. She's not a, a bad parent. She just wasn't aware. That's the that important thing programmed. that, uh, you know, how we were brought up is going mm -hmm. to influence mm -hmm. how we bring up our own children in, a, in an amazing way. And once you start being aware of it, you'd be shocked of how much it's actually affecting your relation with your children. 
even as simple as we talk a lot about special time, for example, yeah. or play listening. It was, even for me, when I started doing the special time, it was so hard to let Jenna take control and lead this five minutes, only five minutes. I would be just like so uncomfortable and just keeping my phone away and not looking at it. And I'm like, how, how long? How long can I do this? How long do we still have? And what's five minutes? And when I started working on it, I realized it's, it, it was because nobody stayed with me as a child. Mm. I didn't have this experience. So it, it kind of triggered my nervous system in a way that wasn't so comfortable. In a way that it was just evoking something that you've never yeah. experienced before. And, and some, I'm, I'm not still aware of exactly why but I know the feeling wow and this is one of the questions that we always ask in our listening time when parents come and complain about difficult feelings or hard um, or it's so hard for me to do play listening and the, the question would be who played with you as a child and most of the time they were like hmm no one and they will go in the memories of their childhood and and explores some hard feelings about wanting to play with mom or dad but not being able to mm. and all of this is sitting on your nervous system still and having a child and being or being asked to play with a child triggers all of these emotions in a, in a way that's not very um, it's not conscious we don't feel it but we don't know it but we feel it it's incredible the way that, that all of that is influencing how we act, but we don't realize until yeah. we become aware. But it, it's something that you were telling me as well is kids are seeking connection, mm -hmm. but there's actually a higher level of connection, which is called attunement. Yes. What's attunement? Okay, so if we are to break it down and uh, what does it stand for? So first... We're talking about awareness, awareness of the person's experience, the other person's experience, okay, and their feelings, what's going on there for mm -hmm. them. And then tolerance, okay, tolerating that there are different personalities here and there's different viewpoints mm -hmm. here. And then turning towards recognizing that this person has different needs than your needs at this point. <clears throat> the other thing is understanding that the experience they're having has a different perspective. Non-defensive listening, which is very, very important here. What's that? <clears throat> Tell us about so, that. So say your children are fighting, mm -hmm. right? The first idea that comes to your mind, even without being conscious about it or aware about it. Oh my God, I'm a failure as a mom because I didn't teach them how to respect each other. And suddenly it's all about you and you're trying to make it, to fix it because you, you want this feeling of the, the bad feeling to stop. Right. And then there's nothing that you're doing that's helping your kids and their needs if I'm not able to develop this um, capacity for listening to someone without taking it personally mm -hmm. and without going in the defensive mode, I have a better chance to help that person 
recover from this. Because it's about the kids, it's not about you. Oh, right? So th this is a this is a very, very big one in attunement. We need really to distinct ourselves and our um, emotions from the situation. I work on my emotions separately. separately. So yeah. I'll, I'll go and talk about it with a listening partner, whatever triggers that comes out for me. And then the, la the last thing is empathy. Empathy is, is really understanding, having the awareness <clears throat> and sensiti sensitivity to their experiences. Going, they're younger. They still don't have the capacity to self-regulate. They're not bad. And you have to be there like a sun, shining on everybody, right? When be the, the sun. Be the sun. Your role is not to solve the problem. Your role is to hold the space, be the buffer so they don't take their emotions on each other. Once you hold the space for them, they will come back to their good selves again. Do we have uh, time to tell a story? Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the stories that <coughs> Juji Egri told in our workshop in Feb was about her kids. So she has three kids, a uh, son and two daughters. And they were out uh, one day and uh, they had a long day and she decided that she will treat them with a donut. So she stops at the donuts um, shop and ask everybody what they want. And the, the two girls wanted a pink donut. So she went in the shop, she found only one pink donut. She got one and another donut. And she came in the car and she said, I only found one, you can share it and then share the other one. So, but the kids having a long day just went into a big tantrum, both <laughs> of them. And they started <laughs> pulling this is for me this is for me what she said sounds like the cake situation in my house exactly <laughs> and the whole donut situation turned into a huge drama in the middle of the road okay so they were in the car actually and the son was even adding to the problem because he was like oh you don't have to fight da, 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 da. so she asked her son she's like go take some rounds around the car please <laughs> <laughs> and then she just stood between the two girls holding the donut in one hand and um, separating them yeah. in one, the other hand and just let both of them take their anger without even saying anything. Just, oh, I'm here. I know. It's hard. It's so difficult. And they were shouting and shouting and shouting. And then they both calmed down at a point. And then like, okay, do you want to share the donuts now? And they both nod their heads. So she divided the pink donut, gave each of them a piece, and divided the other one also. And she sat in the driver car. She listened to the older one saying, I'm sorry, and divided her half and gave it to her little sister. <laughs> so if she was sitting there and trying to mediate the donut situation and convince them to take this donut and not that, that, that all of this, it would have taken a different yes. um, route would have just escalated. Yeah. So they just needed to get whatever was in their system yeah. out of their system. Because it wasn't about the donut. They it's couldn't. never about the donut. Yeah. They were tired. They were um, maybe uh, sleep de deprived or uh, yes. they were hungry, whatever yes. is going for them. Hangry, it seems, yes. Yeah, so we just 
let them take it without hurting each other, take it out, and I hold the space. And then when they both calm down, they will figure out a way to um, repair their connection. Be the sun. Be the sun. Be the sun. Just yeah. shine down on everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's a beautiful story. We're going to come back again in uh, just a moment with Anissa for her final words on how to deal um, with sibling rivalry. It's Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse95. I know I'm absolutely loving this topic today, talking all about sibling rivalry and those things that can stop your kids from being good friends. Do you know what's interesting, um, Anissa? You've got sisters, right? Yeah. Because I always get told, you know, it's fine. They will fight at this age. And there's four years between them as well. They'll fight at this age and they will work it out. And by the time they're older, they'll be best friends. Yeah. And I kind of (laughs) keep trying to remind them to just love each other and... One day they're going to really meet each other when, you know, there's nobody else. And see, in deep, deep in their hearts, they know this. Yeah. And they do love each other. Yeah. What we need is just to um, support them with all, with everything that's going um, in their life. Exactly. So this love can shine. Because as well, you know, these these girls are they're four years apart, um, mm. and so it's very difficult because one is going through a completely yeah. different phase of there life. Is this phase where it seems like four years is too uh, big of a gap. It's a lifetime, but then it will shrink. Right, exactly, yeah. it shrinks. But when they're so young, four years is a lifetime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of have to keep that in mind as well that each True. child has different needs. Mm-hmm. They have different ways of expressing themselves yes. still. Um, I have to say it is funny though when the older one says but you are much stricter on me than you are with her right now at that age sometimes all what we need is just listen to what they have to say sometimes there is some truth maybe we need to just sit back and say okay I hear what you're saying let me see what we can do about it And, and give her put the ball in her court like what would you like me to do yes what would you want done yeah what is the change that you would like to see? Yes, I remember when there was a time when um, one of them would say, I want you to sell my sister. Oh. <laughs> but I think they're kind of, kind of coming down from that phase. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so kind of give us a bit of a wrap up on the things that we need to remember yeah. as parents when we're dealing with uh, multiple children and sibling so rivalry. Two things, mm. two specific things. So your children are good. They're they're really good and they deeply deeply love each other always remember this even in the toughest times when they're really really fighting and you feel like it's world war three remember that they do love each other okay and your love is enough i can't say this enough times all what you need is just shine your love on both of them they will figure out ways to um, regulate and your connection and your attunement to them will help them develop these skills mm. okay, and show their love to each other. So the key points that we, I think, would like to leave you with today is first, drop the irrational expectations. 
you you can't expect a four years old an eight years old 10 years old even older like uh, adolescents to be good all the time we can't be good all the time <laughs> okay and sometimes we have emotions and if i'm not good in one moment that doesn't mean that i'm not good all the time exactly right? so when it's going well notice that notice the good things keep noticing the good things that will balance your expectations if you focus on the only the negative you will have a very um destructive image of your kids in your mind mm. and that's not a healthy way to approach a relation attunement is one of the things work on one-on-one <clears throat> special time individually for each of them even if it's five minutes a day it's like i'm here i have five minutes what do you want us to do give them the time give them the time not your agenda their agenda their agenda so, what they want to yeah, do so i don't go to my daughter for example and say oh i have five minutes let's play a board game no, right what do you want to do let her decide what she yeah. wants to do and it might be just sitting there doing nothing but you are there to follow her lead right so this is the other thing working on um outlets opportunities for emotional outlets during the day through games through um roughhousing all of that but don't put the children and competition against each other yes so let go and be a playful yeah. parent you're playful they are playing against you yes right and then no side taking no comparisons no delivering justice this it's not your role remember you're the sun shining and listening time for you because everything that's difficult that you can't do mm-hmm. for your children it's probably coming from somewhere in your life from your childhood from the experiences that you have but you can't work it out with the kids right exactly because you end up taking it out on them yes so you have to work on these feelings independently with with an adult with someone who can support you so you can have the capacity expand yourself to hold the space for your kids yes vital very yep. vital it's 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 a form of self care you have to have that true and people think do that self care is just like going to the salon doing massages blah 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 but sometimes self care is just facing our demons that's so the true things that's so hard that's so true and on that note Another amazing show with you, Anissa Al-Sharif. Thank you. Conscious parenting expert and founder of Tensha. I thank you so much. It was, I learned a lot. Pleasure. I love it. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.